Good morning, and welcome to my first episode of Fight 689, a podcast for women in sports. My name is Kylie Jernigan, and I'll be your host throughout each of these recordings. I am currently an area representative for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I work with schools in what we call the heart of the Ozarks Territory, which stretches from Bolivar over to Lebanon, up I-44 to Rolla and St. James, down through Salem, Licking, and Houston, Kabul, um, and back over to Mansfield, Hartville, and up to Lebanon. We have a little over 50 schools that we serve, and I don't think I could love a job more than I do now. This gig allows me to talk about my faith freely, and it's all within the public school setting. Prior to FCA, I was a special education teacher in Lebanon, primarily working with students who are blind or visually impaired. 20 years ago, I'd have never thought I'd be working at a school or with blind kids or now with FCA. My major in college was communications and I had plans to be a news anchor. Considering the current state of mainstream media, man, I'm glad God did not allow me to walk down that path. I graduated high school from Marshfield. Sports have always been part of my life, mostly softball and a little basketball. I love watching sports and being active. I played competitive softball. In high school, we won a state championship in 1999, um, and then I went on to play college ball at SBU. I was a pitcher and a first baseman. Man, I miss playing ball. There's nothing left in life now that compares to that level of competitiveness, at least not that I found. My most favorite person in the whole world is the varsity soccer coach here in Lebanon. His name is Matt Jernigan. After shamelessly placing myself in his path 14 years ago, he finally asked me out, and we were married two years later. We have two beautiful boys, Brock and Jet. They're involved in all the things and will likely come up multiple times through the course of this podcast. My heart behind this podcast is to be able to share the stories from the amazing women around me, ones we all know and shop with, ones we see across the gymnasium, ones we cheer with on the sidelines, and ones we might even compete against. There's too much wisdom trapped up inside of us, and I'm here to uncover it. I'll have women on here and invite them to share about their roles as moms of athletes, as coaches' wives, and or as female coaches. My goal is to facilitate interviews that will uncover strengths and strategies that we all use to fight for our best habits and practices within our relationships and homes. I assure you, though, not one of us have mastered these. None of us are perfect, and I'm so glad for that. I want to first explain how I arrived at the name Fight 689. In June of 2015, my face met the floor of my living room one day with tears and a wealth of fear and anger. I've been a Christian since I was little, and I was raised in church, so I knew what was expected of me and how to pretend, if needed, to show it. I had reached a breaking point, however. It didn't help that I was spiraling down into a postpartum pit with an infant who slept maybe five hours in his first seven months of life. I was done. With life, with my marriage, as a mom, whatever, I was done. I remember laying face down on the floor, bawling. In spite of the rage I was feeling, the only thing I could think to say was, I run to you, capital Y, you being the God that I had trusted in for so long. My feelings didn't exactly match my words, but that's what was coming out of my mouth. I got in my car and I ended up driving to my church where my pastor's pastor's wife happened to be at the time. Sherry, if you're listening, I hope you know how much I love and appreciate you. God saved my life by using you that day. Anyway, through that time, I found God's word to be life-giving. I found myself obsessed with Psalms 6, verses 8 and 9, 689. 
says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping, my cries for mercy, and has accepted my prayers. That's how I fight my battles. Thus the title, Fight 689. I want to know how you fight. How do you fight for your best self? What are the ugly parts and how do you shift them to become your strengths? Fight 689 was born out of a time that was absolutely my darkest season. And I pray that it's used to create unity and encouragement for any and all who give it a listen. So I mentioned before that my husband's a coach. Being a coach's wife always sounded so glorious to me until I became one. When we got married, Matt was coaching boys soccer in the fall, girls basketball in the winter, and boys baseball in the spring. One night we were taking a walk and through tears I begged him to stop saying yes to every sports whatever that came up. Over the years I grew to hate him coaching. I ended up quitting my job and getting a para job at the school where Matt worked just so I could see him more often. I quickly learned that being a colleague with your spouse rewires how you view each other and we spent the better part of seven or eight years as co-workers. As you can imagine, the glamorous coach's wife, in air quotes, it began to taste pretty bitter, and resentment was building in my heart. It wasn't uncommon for us to have arguments about our schedule, and I would guilt him into agreeing that all of our coaching, all of his coaching, um, was bad for our family, and he needed to quit. However, each spring when contracts were offered, he never resigned. I only ever saw his coaching as a paycheck and failed to see his purpose in it. This vicious cycle lasted about nine years. I remember one night in the spring of 2017, I was home with the boys. We were living in Lebanon. Matt was at an away game and there were bad storms. We were issued a tornado warning. And so I grabbed Brock and Jet and we headed to our bathroom and sat in the bottom of a linen closet. Brock was on one hip crying. The power was out and it was so loud. Jet was on my other hip, puking into a bucket. He had the stomach bug. The three of us were sharing a dark space, uh, about three feet by three feet, and for the second time in my life, I was done. I couldn't do this on my own anymore. I had reached my breaking point again, and I told God that I wasn't made for this. Either he needed to change Matt's coaching responsibilities, or he needed to change my heart. And it was that night that he started a new perspective in my mind and my heart, and I'm forever grateful for God working in my life like that. Later that summer, I was at a women's retreat and I ran into my old assistant coach from college. She shared with me that she had been praying that God would expand her scope of influence and that he would use her to impact the kingdom in greater ways. Something about that prayer intrigued me and I began to pray the same thing. The puzzle pieces began falling into place for me to come on board with FCA and ultimately refresh my love for my husband and see him in an honored and respected light as a coach. The lessons I've learned with FCA... Um, they've rewired how I think about my husband and his calling. It was a long time until I could acknowledge Matt's coaching as a calling instead of a job that earned a paycheck. I remember the peace that flooded my heart when I finally landed there. When I finally quit fighting against Matt and his coaching responsibilities and instead started praying for him to be a light and a rock in the lives of his athletes, our marriage changed drastically for the good. God can do so much more in our lives if we'll go to him and ask him for help instead of telling him all the ways that we're unhappy. All right, so I have Matt with me now, and I thought I might let you meet him. Matt, what makes you tick? Oh man, um, I'd say a lot of things probably. Um, uh, first would be my family. 
Um, not just because I'm sitting here by my wife, but because family is really the center of what I do. Um, uh, everything we do centers around two things, family and God. Um, and our boys are a big part of what we want to accomplish in this world. Um, we want to see them grow and develop into young men uh, who serve Christ. Um, and then as a family, um, we try to center our life around what God would have us to do. So I'd, I'd say those are probably the two things that make me tick. What about your philosophy in life? Um, well, I uh, anytime I fill out an application or do like a resume or anything like that, I always put on uh, there that my goal in life is to positively impact people. Um, and now when I'm applying for a school, I can't really put the second part of um, to help them grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I put something like um, to positively impact them. Um, to be uh, good citizens in the future. So um, that would probably be, probably be my philosophy of life is just to impact people in a positive way for Christ. Okay. So we talked about life. What about with coaching? Tell us about your coaching responsibilities and your coaching goals. So I, uh, I am the head boys and girls soccer coach at Lebanon High School. Uh, I've been doing it for 14 years now. I'm getting old. Um, but uh, started back in 2008, and I was the assistant coach for the boys' soccer team. And then I was also the assistant baseball coach and seventh grade girls' basketball coach. So I started off doing a whole bunch um, and uh, ended up transitioning into the eighth grade girls' basketball role a couple years later and then took on the head girls' soccer coaching job um, at Lebanon. So uh, now I am the, I just, I guess you could say, the head boys' soccer coach for the high school and I'm the head girls soccer coach for the high school. So that's uh, my coaching roles. Of course, I've got two boys um, that are nine and six. Oh, seven. Sorry, Jet. Um, but uh, we uh, coach some teams with them, too. They do soccer and basketball and baseball and golf. And I guess I'm coaching those, too. So a lot of coaching roles. And what are some goals within those coaching roles that you fill? Well, a lot of coaches would say to win, um, and of course that is part of it, but um, for me, the bigger thing is, um, like we talked about with the philosophy, I want people to leave the program better than when they came in. Um, since day one of 14 years ago, um, I've always said that that's my goal of any program that I am a part of, is that uh, the athletes leave better people um, than when they came in. They're going to leave better soccer players just by being around the game and touching the ball, um, but uh, we're going to, of course, grow that in their life, but we also want to make sure that as general overall people, they're just um, increasing um, in their uh, just their ability to um, be a positive person for the world. Okay, so take off the, the professional hat for a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you, um, what you enjoy to do, like for fun. If you could describe your your personal life in a couple of sentences, what would that be like? Um, well, I mean, I like spending time with my family, um, uh, the boys going out and doing stuff with them. I mean, just about every sport known to man we play. I was just playing FIFA with them in the basement. Um, we'll go out and play basketball later this afternoon, go to the golf course. Um, we go hunting. Um, we do a lot of stuff outdoors, um, and just enjoy being around each other. Um, I enjoy my job too, going to work, um, and getting to teach and be a part of those soccer programs. Okay. Tell me about your biggest coaching accomplishment or maybe your favorite part of coaching. Well, there's probably different aspects of that. Um, we've won two district championships at Lebanon, one on the girls' side and one on the boys' side. 
Um, and of course, those were pretty amazing opportunities. Um, I'll remember running out on the field and the dog pile afterwards and all that kind of stuff. It's the first um, and only district championships that Lebanon's won in soccer, those two. So, um, of course, that was a big thing. Um, but I, I think the day-to-day things are pretty awesome, too. Um, just getting to interact with students. Um, had a kid last year, I'd say this is one of my um, proud moments as a coach, uh, that one of my seniors came up last year. And we had talked about it at practice. We have character training that we do on Wednesdays. And the kid came up to me afterwards and was just talking about his life and how it's a struggle. And I told him some of the struggles we had been having as a family with sickness and stuff like that. He just stopped and said, hey, coach, can I pray with you? And I'll tell you what, that was awesome just to see the maturity of a senior stepping up, not just on the field, but off the field to lead our team, but also be willing to pray with a coach. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Think about your life all 37 years. Almost Um, 38. Almost 38. Oh, yeah, next month. Next month. Next month. Don't forget that. I won't. Um, I like drivers. Drivers. Oh, golfing things. Yeah, I want a new driver. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay, so over all those 37 years, give me some highlights. Maybe well, athletics or just different things you've gotten to be part of. Okay. Well, I was born. That, that's a highlight. 1984. Um, I don't remember that very much. But um, no, I, I graduated from Marshfield High School um, in 2002 um, and uh, graduated Val Victorian, um, which was ahead of you, by the way. Only a We graduated spots. together. But um, <laughs> yeah, I went on to college, got to play college sports. That was pretty awesome. Um, Got to play both baseball and soccer in college down in Texas, and then transferred to a school called CFO College of the Ozarks down in Branson and got to play baseball there. Um, graduated with a degree in business um, from CFO, um, and then went on uh, to work for a little while before I got into coaching. Um, but I would say two of the main highlights of my life, well, I better throw this in there, getting married. I was going to say. That was a big one, too. <laughs> um, we've been married 12 years um, so that was a, a big highlight yet. Yeah, can't forget that. Um, my two kids being born, um, that was pretty awesome days, scary days, but awesome days. Um, but two that are more recent that have been pretty amazing is, um, got to be a part with both Brock and Jet, um, in, uh, leading them to salvation. Um, uh, we getting to pray with them to accept Jesus as their savior. So that's two days I will never forget for sure. Um, and had a lot of different things along the way. We're now youth pastors at LifePoint here in Lebanon, um, which has been a great experience. Um, and just a lot of little stuff along the way, but those are some of the main highlights. Tell me a little bit about your growing up. Well, I was a missionary kid. Um, my parents were home missionaries, so we traveled all around the United States telling people about Jesus. Um, so I moved a lot growing up. Um, I was homeschooled which Kylie gives me crap for all the time, but um, I was homeschooled through eighth grade. Um, No, I did not go to elementary school, Um, but I went to high school um, at Marshfield High School and started settling down in Marshfield and around that southwest Missouri area when I was um, in junior high. So uh, we, uh, our childhood was scrambled, but I've got a brother and a sister. Um, Ethan is a doctor down in Oklahoma. He's 31 and then my sister is 34. Um, and she works down in Branson and is married and has two kids. So, um, uh, my growing up was spent a lot with them. We were definitely a family, um, being homeschooled 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're around each other. So, um, they might've drove me nuts a little bit, but, uh, it was a good family experience for sure. 
and they're killing it in the workforce. Ethan is doing doctor emergency room work. He's and, an ER doc, yep. And Jamie's writing software? Yeah, she's a, a software writer for a company. Um, so uh, boring to me, but I guess she likes it. Um, but then my mom and dad are still missionaries. Um, they are uh, working with chaplaincy um, and chaplains around Southwest Missouri and around the world. Um, so uh, still got that mission side of our family too. Man, it sounds pretty awesome. They are doing good work and have raised three pretty amazing people. Depends so. on who you talk to, but yeah. <laughs> oh man. So we talked about the good parts of life. Um, if you could change three things, a couple things, I guess maybe it doesn't have to be three, but if you could change a couple of things about the world around you, what would you change? Oh, shoot. Um, one of them I, that's the tough one for me is in education. It's really hard to share your faith um, and uh, and to really put that at the forefront of your coaching. Um, I, I do still try to make sure that that's something that I'm doing um, just in a legal way. Um, but uh, I, I wish that we could speak more in the public schools about our faith. Um, I know it, it doesn't work and I know the reasons. Um, but I'd say that's one of the things that I wish I could change, but being able to be a youth pastor now, um, and getting to preach and share the word, um, it gives me that outlet that I didn't have before. So that's awesome. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Um, man, just the, the nature of the laziness in the world right now, I think is (laughs) one thing I would want to change. Um, we really work with our athletes on having, um, just a, a mindset of growing and getting better and that that doesn't come by chance that comes by work. Um, but a lot of people just don't have that work ethic in their life anymore. Um, so I would love to see that change. Um, I think my athletes do a great job of that. Um, and that's something we try to instill in them, but it's still something every day that I think our community and our um, country and our world struggle with. Um, is that sense of hard work to, to gain a purpose um, and uh, that it can't come just by easy. Um, you got to put some effort into it. So I'd like to see that change. Okay. So that kind of helps me segue into the next question. Um, tell me how you take care of yourself. How do you keep balance? What habits or things do you put into practice to help you be the best Matt Jernigan possible? Um, I, I think first off my, my daily life, um, I try to make sure that I've got some type of devotional quiet time. Um, for me, I go to work, uh, I've got to be at work at about seven twenty in the morning. So I leave my house about six forty-five, and I've got about a 10, 15 minute drive to work. Um, and so that's time that I spend, uh, listening to a U version, uh, Bible study or listening to a couple of worship songs and pray. And, and then when I get to school, um, I get there about seven. And from 7 to about 7.15, 7.20, I've got time just to um, chill, <laughs> uh, relax, not have any loud kids around, not have the stress of life and laundry and everything around me, but just to have that. And just for a few minutes, it's not a long time, but just a few minutes just to uh, decompress before the day starts um, and get myself mentally ready for what's about to happen for the rest of the 14 hours or whatever it is I'm working that day with games and practices and teaching and all that other stuff. But I try to make sure that that's something I do. Um, I also, I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. Uh, I don't let stuff get to me a whole lot. And I think that's just from being well-grounded uh, from back from childhood. Um, and uh, God's going to take care of us. So. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Sorry. 
Um, so I have to say I did hit the jackpot when it comes to having a husband that helps out around the house. Um, tell me a little bit about why you will be willing to do the dishes or be willing to do some laundry. Why, why do you care to do that kind of stuff? Because you make me. No, I'm just kidding. Wrong um, answer. <laughs> no, I, I think um, I, I think that just being in a two-income household where um, the wife's working and the husband's working, um, it's important that you can tell that I, I want to help you out and that I get home and it's not just, well, I've been working all day, so I don't have to do anything. Well, you've been working all day too. So um, just sharing that responsibility. And I think for our boys too, them seeing um, that it's not just on one person to get everything done, that we're a family and we do stuff together, um, that that's important. They might not take to that all the time. <laughs> um, we're working on that side of them, but um, that's a big part of it too. Plus, I mean, I kind of like a decent house too, and we got a new house, so I kind of want to keep it clean. We'll see how long that lasts. Hmm. So uh, tell me, you. I, I know the answer to this one, but just so our, the people listening can... I hope I give the right answer. Oh, no, it, it's it's not like that. Um, what is your like life verse or quote or something that, that you've held on to that makes a difference in your life? Um, it's always been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I hope that's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And that's just a verse that ever since high school, early high school, um, has kind of guided me uh, because there's a lot of directions that your life can go and a lot of directions that mine could have gone, uh, but I've just always trusted that God's got me on the right path and I'm going to trust that he's directing me. And Kylie Jernigan was part of that path? Yes, and still is. <laughs> Actually, Kylie Savas at the time. Yes. Hey, um, has there been a time in your life where you've really had to cling to that? Uh, yeah. Um, I think recently actually it wasn't having to do with me, but just trusting God's plan. Cause, uh, this fall, my assistant coach, uh, Jake Woolsey, um, at the beginning of the fall, we started practices for soccer and he was there for the first two weeks. And then, uh, he got diagnosed with COVID the second week of season. And, uh, first it started off, um, okay. He was, pretty sick, but didn't really think much of it. A lot of people had had COVID. Um, but within a week or two, he had gotten pretty bad, um, ended up uh, having a collapsed lung, having to go to the emergency room, and then they put him in the ICU. And within 24 hours, he went from sending us pictures of him to, uh, when we were getting ready to start a game to he was on a vent and doctors didn't think he was going to make it. Um, so that was a scary time in life. Um, I was pretty proud of our teams. We we did a prayer service, voluntary, of course, but a prayer service um, a Wednesday night uh, when it was really rough for Coach Wolsey. We had um, we packed out the room uh, with players coming to pray for Coach Wolsey, um, and uh, he made a miraculous turnaround um, and uh, has been back at practices and back in the swing of things. Uh, but it was just it was really tough. Um, but and all that, just trusting that God had a plan and he was going to direct the path of not only our soccer program, uh, but also Woolsey's life. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. The community rallied around you guys really well. And it was amazing to see that story come, you know, or, you know, how it ended up. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up here. Tell me um, some advice that you would pass along to younger athletes that are considering the coaching profession. Okay, so athlete. I I would say first off, make sure it's a calling. 
because if it's not a calling from God, I don't know how some coaches do it um, because it, it's a tough profession. Uh, make sure that you have a family that's bought into it too because I know Kylie feels like sometimes she's a single mom during the fall and the spring. So it's definitely a stress on the family, um, but it's definitely worth it getting to impact um, students' lives for a positive um, Christ-centered life is is amazing. Uh, I would also say don't make it about the wins and the losses. Uh, my first year coaching, I had a guy named Don Copling who was a PE teacher with me, and uh, he told me this, and it's stuck with me ever since. He said, when you have talent, you win. When you don't, you lose. <laughs> and a lot of coaches try to go too deep with it, um, but that's kind of how it shakes out. You can develop talent, um, and coaches can uh, help in that process, but players are the ones who step out on the floor and win or lose or whatever it is. Um, so don't get too hung up in the wins and losses. Um, enjoy the process of what it takes to become a winning program um, and uh, understand that wins and losses don't define you as a coach. Um, I'm one of the losingest coaches in Southwest Missouri in soccer, um, but I don't think that defines me as a coach. Um, been offered a lot of different coaching positions and opportunities and had coach of the year and blah, 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 blah. But all that just will go away. Um, those students coming back and telling us about their kids and showing up at alumni games and telling us how their life's going and how God's using them uh, is bigger than any win and loss. So just make sure that uh, you make the big picture the big picture and don't get stuck in the small things. Ooh, make the big picture the big picture. I like that. All right. Well, that's definitely not everything there is to know about the Jernigans, but there's a couple of critical points as to, you know, why we are the way we are and why our values are set the way they are. Um, all right. Well, thanks for helping me out with episode one. I'm pretty excited to get this podcast started. Um, we'll be back next time with some interview series um, that will include interviews with some of my FCA women. Um, I can't see, I can't wait to see how this journey unfolds. So Anything else from you, Matt? Listen, this is going to be good. And you better listen because she's awesome. And God's awesome. And God's going to do good stuff through this. So thank you for listening. And see you next time. Thanks. Bye.